0: You thought that race would be boring. It's the Overtake F1 podcast. I'm Tony D'Aziri. It's our Spanish Grand Prix review. Lewis Hamilton taking the checkered flag. 98th career victory, but it was a master chess match between him and Verstappen. More importantly, Mercedes versus Red Bull as Hamilton uses a two-stop strategy to track Verstappen down and get the win. Well, this was a race that we were kind of anticipating would be dull. You can look through the history books and see a number Of Spanish Grand Prix, which didn't exactly excite the home crowd. That's kind of the nature of Barcelona. It's a hard track to overtake on, so the races tend to be a little bit boring. But right off the gun, Max Verstappen, starting in P2, got an early jump on Hamilton, some good rubber on his side of the grid, took the lead. And in a track like Barcelona, again, where positioning matters the most, I mean, given the lack of overtaking, Well, it looked like that was going to be a very critical moment in the race. Verstappen had the lead, and off he went, and Hamilton is riding in second, and now we're going to see. Game on, right? Now, Verstappen takes the lead, and Hamilton stays behind him until Verstappen makes a decision himself to come into the pit lane, and that came on lap 24. Now, this was a miscommunication by his own admission, and that led to Red Bull scrambling to get a good pit stop for Verstappen, and instead, it's a four-second stop. Which is way off their usual time because they usually get it within two seconds or under two seconds. So now all of a sudden the focus becomes on Mercedes. When will they pit Hamilton? And they leave him out there for four more laps. Now this is sort of critical if you're thinking that this is a one-stop race, which many did. And they started on the softs, they switched over to the mediums, and many thought this would be a one-stop race. So you're trying to figure out fresher tires. If this is going to come down to the last few laps, Mercedes keeping Hamilton on the track, that played into the one-stop strategy hand. But then there was an interesting calculation by Mercedes. So they figured if they pit Verstappen would get the lead, that they didn't have enough time to catch him on this one-stop strategy. So they called for a second one. Now, immediately, this brought into mind for everybody hungry of 2019. They even brought it up instantly. Christian Horner even mentioned it on the radio. And that's exactly what they did there. So Hamilton comes in and he comes out and he's 23 seconds behind Verstappen. Now he's got 24 laps to make that up. He laps on pit 42. So that's about a second a lap. Fresher tires. And then you add the combination that Verstappen is nursing tires to get to the end. So this doesn't seem unreasonable that he will catch Verstappen. But when will he catch Verstappen? And that's what was the gripping part of the Spanish Grand Prix. When will this take place? So you're watching the race going, this could come down to the final two, three laps of the race, just like Bahrain. Now, Verstappen is holding on. Red Bull can't answer this. They can't bring him in. They can't do the similar maneuver. So they have to leave Verstappen out on older tires and hope that the race just runs out of laps and Verstappen emerges victorious. I mean, even Andrew Chauvelin or Mercedes was concerned about this, that they would do something like this before Mercedes did, but they did not. So on lap 59, Hamilton catches Verstappen. He passes him and he wins the race. And it's his fifth straight Spanish Grand Prix victory. Now, this race was not without its interesting moments. Hamilton, making up the gap, gets behind his teammate, Valtteri Bottas, who's on team orders to let Hamilton pass him. And Bottas appears to be ignoring this. In fact, he even makes it really tough for Hamilton. And it looks like, oh, no, he's not going to be doing this. He's not going to be following along team orders. Turn 10, Hamilton makes a pass, but it looks like a real overtake, not one where a teammate is moving along to let you by. It's a real overtake. So Botas doesn't appear to make it easy for Hamilton. And this is critical because think about this. We were talking about how you have about a minute a lap that you're trying to make up on. And this is a sport, again, where hundreds of a second matter, tens of a second. My God, that's an eternity. A full second? Forget it. So if Botas is holding up Hamilton for any bit of time, and it's continuous, right? As if he was behind Sergio Perez, for example. If Botas holds up Hamilton for any significant time, if you're Mercedes and you're calculating that this is coming down to the last lap or the last two or three laps in your your analysis of this strategy, I guarantee they were losing their mind. But that's not what was going to happen. In the end, Hamilton wins comfortably. He passes Verstappen with plenty of laps to go. So this becomes no issue. And everybody in Mercedes is like, yeah, okay, it's fine. It's not fine. I mean, it's not fine. This could have affected the race result. This could have blown the whole strategy out of the water. It is clear. Bottas is on a different mindset. He doesn't want Hamilton to just pass him. He's got his own race to think about, which is what he said at the end of the race. He said, look, I am trying to increase my gap to Charles Leclerc behind me so that I can eventually pit and go for fastest lap and still get a podium finish. And this is significant because he wants a podium finish. But more importantly, he's a race car driver. And he's done taking these kind of orders. And Hamilton had no problems with it because he's like, I'm racing and it's still a little early and that's cool with me. I like racing. Fine. But for Total Wolf, I am sure that there were moments of real, real concern. So this made it a little bit dicey, right? I mean, you got your teammate doing his own, you know, doing his thing to, to preserve his race. I don't want to say doing his own thing because, you know, he's trying to get a fit, a good finish for not only him but Mercedes as well, but he is not making it easy for Lewis Hamilton to do what he has to do, which is win the race. Catch for stop and pass him and win the race. But you you add to this that the fact that before all of this race weekend was going down you had the rumor mill swirling the anonymous story of Mercedes and how they're going to replace Botas mid-season which I think is nonsense it was shot down Hamilton shot it down Toto Wolff shot it down but it just doesn't add to the Botas Mercedes angle to them it doesn't it doesn't add anything you, you throw this in there I'm sure in two weeks you know the two weeks leading into Monaco This might even be brought up again by somebody at Mercedes. Oh, anonymously, I got to tell you that wasn't really good. Toto Wolf was losing his mind. And Oh, by the way, we're really, I could almost guarantee that's going to take place. It was just a juicy bit of on-track drama. It didn't lead to anything. It didn't become a story. It became a story only because there was potential there. We were all watching it going, Oh my God, this is a second angle to this story. Like the first angle is the chess match. Will this actually work? Will Hamilton catch Verstappen? And, and when, when will he catch him? And how exciting are the final two laps or three laps going to be? At a race, that's typically boring. So then you throw this bit of news in with the fact that the drama surrounding Botas and his relationship with Mercedes was already out there floating around, even if it was sort of debunked by the team. It, it really added a nice little flavor to this race. So what's a big takeaway of the Spanish Grand Prix here? Well, Lewis Hamilton has three wins in four races, and we are in danger of losing the season-long battle that we were anticipating. The lead over Verstappen is now increasing, and there are no mistakes that Hamilton has to pay for, right? I mean, think about Imola. He crashes, he goes into the gravel, here comes the red flag, and now he gets a chance to redeem himself, and he gets a P2, right? That, that should have been an accident that could have cost him out of the top 10. That could have been an accident that really set this race with Verstappen into another stratosphere, but instead he gets P2. So these guys are just trading top spots right now and Hamilton is winning. And unlike Monza and Sochi where Hamilton made serious mistakes going into the pit, when it was closed at Monza doing start practices on the pit lane, there's nothing like that now. And this is what, Red Bull is going to have to anticipate is coming and you have to hope for and it may not come at all. We entered this season on such an optimistic feeling that we might have a championship battle between Red Bull and Mercedes and it certainly looked like that in testing and it certainly, that was the takeaway coming out of Bahrain. But if this continues, it's not going to be that way. The more Hamilton increases his lead, the less of an exciting battle that we're going to get. There is something that I do worry about because look at other sports. When you have two teams that are are set above everybody else and they're competing for a championship, whether it's an NBA title or a Super Bowl, it's off when you feel like one of the teams has to play perfectly and the other can afford a mistake or two or not live up to their hype and they could still win or or they don't get hurt because of it. That's not a two-team race. It's like a -a one-and-a-half-team race. Red Bull at its best is not better than Mercedes at their best. Mercedes has to fail. Mercedes has to make a mistake. They have to make a miscalculation. These two cars are great, but Verstappen is now saying, well, P2 is the best we could do. That's the second straight race he's done that. Right? He's right, though. So it doesn't bode well for a season-long battle for the championship. And I know, four races in, we got 19 to go. I'm hoping that we are talking about something completely different by round 15. I really do. So you can mark this podcast and say, you know, you thought it was over. I don't think it's over. Of course, I know where there's a lot that can happen. But right now, I don't like where this is moving towards. When Verstappen took the lead of this race, I really thought that's the that's the lead that is going, this is the moment that he could win this race and we're right back to square one, two and two after four races. But the brilliant strategy of Mercedes on this was fantastic. Fantastic. Now, Hamilton is good at Barcelona. As I mentioned earlier, five straight Spanish Grand Prix. He's really good at that racetrack. And then you combine that with the fact that Portimao last week was not a good track for Verstappen, he admitted as much. Maybe Monaco, we see this battle getting close. But if Hamilton wins and that margin grows, it's going to start getting away from Red Bull because you cannot count on Mercedes and Hamilton to keep that window open. And that is going to be the key to this championship. All right, so what about Sergio Perez? Perez finishes fifth. But the second Red Bull driver did not help his team by being so far back that he wasn't part of the equation when Hamilton was maneuvering to get back to Verstappen. Had Perez been running near the top, that could have helped Max and Red Bull a lot. Christian Horner had the same problem with Pierre Gasly at Hungary in 2019. So I'm sure that is a concern right now for Red Bull. Mercedes has that option because Botas may not win races, but he's in the top three. That's not the case with Sergio Perez in that second Red Bull car. A couple of other quick observations from the Spanish Grand Prix. A good race for Ferrari. Scuderia, Charles Leclerc finished fourth. That's the best they could do, and he was right on it. Started fourth on the grid, finished fourth, even had a good overtake of Botas on the opening lap. Uh, Carlos Steins finished in the top 10, and now this looks like a really good battle for P3 and the constructors with McLaren. McLaren... I wouldn't say they had a bad weekend, but when you have Lando Norris in the top five in the first three races of the season, Norris finished eighth. And that's his first finish outside the top five. Daniel Ricciardo had a good race, finishing six. But now it is looking like it's really shaping up to be a two-horse race, two-car race for that P3 in the Constructors' Championship because it was another bad weekend for Aston Martin. Sebastian Vettel and Lance Stroll finished both out. Both of them finished outside the top 10. That is no points for the first, the last two races. Didn't do it at Portugal either. The team clearly, I mean, clearly is looking forward to 2022. The updates that they had on their car didn't help in Spain. They also finished third... They almost fin- The updates didn't help at all. The updates they got for the race didn't help them at all. Th- look, this team, when it was racing point, almost finished third last year in the Constructors. No, but this year they're way, way off pace, and it doesn't look like they'll be in any fight at all. But again, the focus could be 2022. One other thing, I'm off the Yuki Sonoda bandwagon for right now. I was totally on it uh, after Bahrain. I mean, he had such a good run. One of the best rookies we've seen. Uh, but he's starting to show his, he had a problem at a Q1. Couldn't get out of Q one. His car had a malfunction early in the race It brought out the safety car. The hype train is dying down a bit. Had the comments that he doesn't think the cars are equal. That doesn't help your team at all. He'll learn what to say and what not to say when it comes to problems with the car. I'm sure they they sat him down and said, "Look, we, we don't go there. Don't go there." Uh, he might have already known that and decided to go down that road anyway. But for right now, the young man is. Uh, I'm di- the hype is dying down a little bit. We'll see. Uh, by the way, Nikita Mazepin didn't disappoint in this race uh Toto Wolf, you probably heard it in the broadcast radio to Michael Massey saying blue flags could have cost him position Nikita you keep doing your thing all right we st- every single weekend there's always a problem with you clearly showing you don't belong in Formula One I don't care about your dad's money this has clearly been fourth race in a row now that we have seen something from Nikita Mazepin that drives us crazy and the Spanish Grand Prix was no exception but overall, to the riding point between Hamilton and Verstappen, I don't want this title fight to be pulled away by Mercedes. I really want Red Bull to figure some things out when they head to Monaco in two weeks. I, I need Verstappen to win a race, right? To win a race where on merit, they beat Mercedes and we are back to the same feeling we had after Bahrain. Even though Hamilton had won that race, man, you got the feeling leaving that first race round one that there we had a fight on our hands. We had two cars that were equal and Red Bull could take it to Mercedes. But it has been a brilliant strategic season so far as Mercedes has handled Red Bull, not only with the car pace, but also, again, as you saw in Bahrain, the strategic angle of how they're getting the checkered flag. I really want to see that again. Monaco is one of my favorite races of the year. I know a lot of people find it outdated. I don't. I'm old school. I love it. If you find it outdated, too bad. Monaco is one of the top races in the world, in all divisions. And I'm looking forward to it because we didn't get to have it last year so coming up for the overtake f1 podcast this week we will have a news and notes we'll have a fast lap news and notes that's coming up later this week and then next week we'll we'll do a preview of the monaco grand prix as well as a review of it after the race weekend subscribe to the channel leave us a five-star review if you need to reach us you can hit me up on twitter at tony d radio you can also email the show at the overtake f1 podcast i know it's long at gmail.com the overtake f1 podcast at gmail.com Very excited for Monaco as we head to round five of the world championship. Oh, also uh, this week on our Fast Lap news and notes, we'll have our top five, bottom five after four races of the season. All right, that'll do it for our review of the Spanish Grand Prix. Again, see you later this week for Fast Lap news and notes around Formula One. I am Tony Dezuri, and this is the Overtake F1 Podcast.